Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin, and my guest today is an educator in Loudoun County, Virginia schools, and also the owner of A1 Performance, Mr. Greg Fenner. Thank you for joining me. And hey, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm really excited because, I mean, you know, me and you go way back. I, you grew up, you know, I watched you grow up as a young man to see all the things you're doing. I'm, I'm really proud of you, so. You did. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah, so I just, I'm really looking forward to getting this interview done. Thank you. I've been looking forward to it, too, man. It feels like it's been a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it, it do feel like it, but we finally was able to get it done. Sure. So I want to start with you talking about A1 performance. Um, How did you, how did you get that started? You know, uh, when I was coming up in high school and in college, I was working out with my uncle, Daryl Green, all the time. And, you know, he just, um, he taught us so many different things, um, you know, from the techniques, the fundamentals, things that you don't learn from the average coach or, you know, from the average program or anything. And I wanted to take that and apply it to the next generation because I've seen in my area, especially it's big, we got so many coaches that um, just... (laughs) They're, 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 how, how do I say this without being disrespectful? Um, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're trying to take people to a place that they've never been. And more than anything, they're charging top dollar for it. Mm. And so I just felt like a lot of people weren't really getting the bang for the buck because you hear about how much these people are paying for this training and what they've learned. Then you see them at trials, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Something ain't adding up here. (laughs) Something ain't adding up here. So what gave you like that? So so what gave you the idea was more just seeing the the performance that you didn't feel like the, the kids was living up to it. For sure. And I was like, there's a missing ingredient here. You know, you get the kids that run their sprints, lift their weights. Something's here that is missing, you know, and it's it's almost like, you know, I call it teaching from an invisible textbook, if you will. You know, and there's something that you know when you see it, but you can't quite put your finger on it. But if you give me a couple of weeks, I can teach it to you. Mm, wow. So how, how um, when did you start it? When did you actually get it started? Uh, I started in 2013. I started under a different name, actually. At the time, I was old school training. I didn't have a patent on it. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't know which business route I wanted to go yet. But I kind of had the vision for it. Then finally, there was a kid I was training uh, about a year and a half later. He goes, man, Fender, this training is just different. It's just everything you do about it. It's just, it's A1. And I was like, oh, wow. That might stick a little bit. Wait a minute. Say that one more time. And then that phrase, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I just adopted it from there. And I was like, okay, well, so I, you know, I spoke to, you know, I started looking into legal teams. I spoke with a lawyer and everything. Uh, I went through legal zoom. And of course they got the process where you got to see if your name is patented. I'm like, okay, this is almost too good to be true. Somebody had to think about this before we went through the patents and I'm sitting there the whole time. Just like, wow, it came up clear. Nobody's used this name before. Boom. Done. We, look, you bet, you bet. Don't don't say his name because once you blow up, he gonna be looking for his cut. <laughs> oh, you know, already might as well already be looking for it because <laughs> you know that. Well, once that once once things take off, they like wait a minute, hold on. I gave you that idea, buddy. It's time to time to reach back for sure. 
for sure. It's like any form of compensation people can get, you know, they reaching for it. Yeah. Now you, now, as I mentioned, you're also a teacher in Loudoun County. So yes, how important is it to you to train the mind and the body? You know, I, I think you really can't have one without the other. And it's funny, you know, it's very much a chicken and the egg argument. You know, you got some people that are like, well, you got to train the mind to believe it so the body can achieve it. I, I'm behind that. I, I see the logic behind that. But what I see so much, especially in young men, and you know this, you know, being, a, you know, going through, you know, being a young man and everything is that sometimes we see our body growing and we learn what we're physically capable of. And now we go, wait a minute, what if I tried this? So your body kind of harvested the mind in that sense. You know, I'd like to start with the belief system as early as possible because I think believing is, you know, step one. But I think once you develop the body to get on the same page as the mind, now you become unstoppable. And we've seen that in so many professional athletes. Like look at Jason Tatum, for example. We saw him at Duke. Tatum could do everything. But now playing for Brad Stevens, look at what his mind has done. Now you got Jason Tatum that's, you know, Eastern Conference arguably player of the year so far. Yeah, I so I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna be honest. This is not basketball time for me. I've been keeping up with him. And then I've been hearing, you know, of course, because of Kobe on timely death, and he was like a protege of Kobe. So I've been hearing about him, but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch him. I probably won't see him until April. <laughs> I hear you know, it, it, you know, but the truth is, a lot of people out here, we talk about a lot of people we really ain't going to watch till the playoffs. So you ain't alone on that one. Oh, no, no, no. He'll be there because, I mean, one thing I know, I know Boston, who I'm sure they'll make a run. Boston and, like, so I follow it. Like, I follow basketball. I don't watch it. Like, I know I could pretty much count on Milwaukee going against Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals. I could probably sure. do that in. So sure. I do know that. So I, I'll probably check him out then. But I've been hearing, I've been, he's been on my radar. So I'm going to definitely check him out. Now, you're also, you know, being a black male, you know, it's not too many black male teachers. Like, I looked at the statistics and it's only like, three percent so do you ever think about how important that is an example you're setting for the kids you're teaching oh absolutely and i think the main thing is you know i didn't deal with this personally and just knowing you i know you didn't deal with it you know either what a lot of us fail to realize as black males and especially one thing that drives me crazy is you know i'm happy to see the way he's grown but years ago when that uh commercial lebron made when he went to miami Remember when he said, I'm not a role model? Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, that's not part of your contract. You're right. But it is part of our moral obligation as black men in the new millennium. Yeah, You know, and especially for him to be sitting here married with three kids and doing things the right way. I'm like, well, how could you kind of step away from that? I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with who you become. And so for me personally, you know, the sad part is we still, even in 2020, we got so many young black males growing up without a father at home. Yeah, you know, and think, a lot of these. Go ahead. Go ahead. And a lot of these have become, you know, my students and my athletes over the years. You know, I've had countless, you know, black Hispanic kids that really didn't have a father, and I've had kids tell me, "Man, you're the closest thing I've had to an uncle or an older brother, this or that." It's hard for them to say father because I'm still so close to their age, but in, in you know that sense, it tells me they've never had anybody. Period. So. You know, I, I don't I don't seek out black kids and go, let me help him and go out of my way to help so-and-so. But you can't help but notice it. I mean, we all we all know what looks like us. Yeah. And we're all used to, you know, the struggles that our people are still going through even in this time. So, you know, for me to say, 
that I haven't tried to embrace that and take that on, I'd be lying to your face. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that message because so many of them need it. Right. Now, how did you actually arrive at a decision to teach? Like, was that something you aspired to be growing up or? You know, I thought about it because, you know, so much of my gift growing up had been the natural, just the knack for bringing people together. And whether it was a friends group or trying a new sport or whatever it is, I like to just get people on the same page, which is why, you know, anytime, you know, Walter's family, anybody have a gathering, I'm going. You know, I just love the concept of people getting together. But my freshman year of college, funny story, I was a sport management major. You know, and I was taking the classes and going through it. And it was cool because I knew I wanted to go into the sports industry. But then you start to look at the lifestyle that comes with it. And when I looked at, you know, the average salary out of college and the amount of people that were struggling to find work, young people in sports and where you start and everything, I was like, you know what? With all due respect, I'm not sitting through four years of college to start at that, you know, that level. And for all I know, I might be working at Starbucks waiting on our job opportunity. <laughs> Why not take a route? You know what I mean? I, how many, we see too many people, you know, go to, go to these schools, get these degrees, do this and that. But you're going to spend the next X amount of years paying it off before you even work in your career field. I didn't go to school just to pay for it, to, you know, th yeah. this piece of paper. You know, so I wanted to, I looked at it and ironically, you know, this is how, you know, regardless of what anybody believes and this is how I know God is real. And uh, when I was in college, when I was looking at switching my major, I ended up becoming a marketing education major. Old Dominion and Virginia Tech are the only two schools that have that as a major in the state of Virginia. I got my bachelor's in undergrad from ODU and I got my master's from Virginia Tech. It didn't happen that way by accident. Yeah. And so, definitely. you know, so I started looking at it and I thought about my sports marketing teachers growing up. And I was like, I reached out to them for advice. And I actually saw one of them last week, you know, and I just looked at him. I had to thank him. I was like, you really molded my career path. And I looked at the classes I could teach. I could be a coach. I could do all these other things and I could have an outlet to reach as many young people as I needed to by teaching. Okay. So when I looked at that, it just all started coming together, you know, and I look at, you know, I'll never forget, you know, my college roommate is still to this day one of my best friends, but I got a bust on him for a second. You know, I told him I was changing my education, my major to education. And he goes, dude, are you ready to make no money? And I'm looking, around, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, first off, you saw that PowerPoint just like me. How many people in your major come out making good money? That's step one. <laughs> step two, I said, you know what? I may not make a ton of money, but I'll forever be rich because I'll always invest in people. Yeah. Wow, that's deep. That's deep. That's definitely deep. So, and then, and then I look at, you know, just where my life is now, and I'm just like, you know, the outlet, the outreach, and how many kids have come through my program versus my classroom versus that I've been able to coach in football, basketball, lacrosse, and track, and the work I did with the soccer team this past uh, winter. It just kind of never stops. People you're never going to run out of kids. They're always going to come to you for the knowledge, the advice, and just somebody to care, honestly. Yeah. So how would you define your coaching style? You know, it is very much tough love because that's so much of the house that we all grew up in. You know, because especially in this era we're living in, kids have three parents, mom, dad, and the internet. And the sad <laughs> part is they, they do. They do. I see it every day in the classroom. They got I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. And um, more than anything, the sad part is, which one are they listening to most? The internet. You know, so because so many of these parents are either out traveling or doing this or, you know, there's a lot of kids left alone at home. 
and everybody's like, oh, you can't yell at kids. You can't discipline kids. Yeah, you can. And more of them will respond to it than you think. The truth is they've just never had it. But, you know, when kids act out and this and that, they're looking for that nurturing. So I'm going to nurture you, but in a tough love kind of way. I can't hide the world from you because you're going to be in it one day. Yeah. You know, and so very much so just my coaching style is very much if I can tap into the person, I can mold the athlete however I want to. But so many coaches, you know, we, we almost treat coaching as if we're going to war and the athletes are our soldiers. No, that's not true. Because in war, you lose soldiers. You shouldn't lose athletes. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's I, I, I look at it much more as parenting than coaching. Mm. Mm. Because I hope that I don't just disappear. You're, you know, you're going to be in your daughter's life forever. That ain't never going to change. True. I hope that I'm in these kids' lives forever. If we, if our relationship fades the minute they graduate and stop playing for me, I didn't really do a good job. Damn, that's, that's I, pre- that's I a, that's used them. I pretty much, I use. Yeah, I was using them. If that's the case, I wanted them to win games and pad my resume and then send them on the way. Not how it's supposed to be, because that's not why we got in this game. Wow, that's man, that's that's great that you look at it that way because, like you said. If you haven't established anything, then I mean, what what did you really do? Yeah, uh, you, you're you're only you're only as good as your legacy, you know. And your legacy, unfortunately, is what you leave behind. We don't see a legacy while it's being built. It's all we can remember when it's over. Yeah, is there is there a specific um, coach, professional college that like you you kind of feel like you patting yourself after, like you would like, oh yeah, I like him as a coach. Oh, in many ways. First and foremost, the one I watch the most, I can't stand his team, but I love him, is Mike Tomlin. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can't well, I can't stand Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, all you Steelers fans listening, but <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> but more than anything, the thing I always respected the most about Tomlin, I've never seen them lose a game and he pointed a finger. The first thing he says is I accept full responsibility for what you just saw on the football field. Because it all comes back to the head coach at the end of the day. <laughs> That's true. In an era where everybody's pointing the finger at something, that's refreshing to hear. Yeah. You know, um, I'm reading, I'm not a, I don't model myself after this guy, but I'm reading Bill Belichick's book right now. And it's got a lot of fascinating stuff in it. You know, and now there's a couple of stories where it's like, man, this dude been cheating since 1974. <laughs> <laughs> but, there's a couple, but there's a couple stories where you read it and you're like, Oh, that's fascinating. I would have never thought that. Okay, I see how he built Brady now. You know, things like that. But also, I, 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 as much as I'm around football, I like to get away from football also. And somebody that, for as rigid as he may be on the outside, somebody that I like to watch a lot of or listen to a lot of, if you can understand what he's saying at the time, is Floyd Mayweather Senior. Ah. I love it because Floyd is old school, He's going to, you know, he's going to be Floyd. He's going to be Grand Rapids, Michigan, but he loves his fighters. The way he, the relationship he built with Ricky Hatton, the relationship he built with Oscar De La Hoya, I was like, this is special. He's really becoming friends with these guys as I watch 24-7. You know, um, I'm trying to think a couple other ones that I really tapped into. I think the greatest coach of all time, any sport, any level, men's, women's, whatever, is Coach K. Really? And again, I... <laughs> I, I don't think people understand how hard it is to win a thousand games in anything. I don't care if it's Xbox. A thousand wins means you put a lot of time in that thing. That's true. That's true. You That's know, true. and I just, I can't remember him ever being bad. 
You know what I mean? It's like I, I, I tell my kids all the time, who's the one team that's been good your whole life? They'll all say the Patriots. Uh, but who's the one basketball team that's been good your whole life? For the most part, they'll say the Spurs because the Spurs are just the NFL Patriots, uh, NBA Patriots, if you think about it. Yeah. But in my life, I'm like, I don't ever remember Duke being bad. You know what's funny? They were bad, but he was out. Remember when Coach K had a bad back? He had a back. Remember that? Yeah. He had a bad back and they were bad. That's the only year I remember them being like really bad. And he wasn't there. And the year he came back, what happened? They probably went to the final four or one. I mean, they have a shot every (laughs) year, is my point. They have a shot every year, you know, and I have his book also. But um, I haven't started reading it yet. But what else fascinates me is how many of these guys have books that really aren't even that much about, you know, the actual game itself. There's always a game within the game that they're playing that pe- most people just don't understand. I mean, his book is called Leading with the Heart, Coach K's Successful Strategies for Basketball, Business, and Life. So when you think about it, these guys that are so great at what they do, they're always about more. And I think that's what everybody's learning about Kobe. He's like, man, this dude was about way more than just basketball. And those are the best ones because we see so many people, all they do is that one thing. And when that one thing fades, you might never hear their name again. What people are just now realizing is just how much outreach and how much aspiration this guy really had outside of basketball. And for so long, all we know is ball up a piece of paper, shoot, the trash, shoot it at the trash can and yell Kobe. <laughs> for so long... People, kids who never watch Kobe know that, which tells you basketball clearly propelled him to what he is. I mean, that's how we all found out who he is. But one thing that I really tapped into with him the last few years was I was really watching the things he's been doing with Mamba Sports Academy. Yeah. Because if you're a trainer, that's the ideal. That's what you want to be. You look at this facility. They're tapping into volleyball. They got the NFL combine training going. It's like, what isn't this dude got his hands in? Yeah, Kobe, you know, so, Kobe always been highly intelligent, always. Again, now, here's what's funny about what I just said. Where did Kobe sign his letter of intent if he was going to go to college? Dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about that. That type of stuff. And, I mean, who did Coach K pick as the captain of Team USA in the Olympics? Yeah, that's true. That's this true. stuff all comes back. When you look at it, you're like, okay, birds of a feather really do flock together. Don't mean they look anything alike. But intellectually, there's a connection somewhere. Did you actually finish the Coach K book? Oh no, no, no! It's, it's um after this, after I finish, uh, after I finish Bill Belichick, I'm gonna read Kobe's Mamba mentality. Then I'm gonna read Coach K. Oh, okay, okay. So just between, I've always wanted to read Coach K, but now I feel like being the fan I am, I gotta read Kobe. So I'm looking at all these books, and I'm like, look, sorry, Brady, you didn't got bumped to the back. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know Brady had a book. Yeah, the TB12 method, which, again, I'd like to read that because of sustainability and consistency that laid into a career. That's special in anything you do. So, look, I'm going to ask you something. We kind of veered off, but I'm, I got to ask you since you bought Go ahead. Oh, we got, we got time tonight. Go ahead. <laughs> since you bought that Brady and Belichick, right? What, what do you think will happen if those two separated? You know, if those two separate, I think Brady is going to do a Peyton Manning and find himself in a very favorable situation. Peyton wasn't going to go just anywhere. There's a reason he went to Denver. You know, you had John Fox, who he had known forever. I believe Kubiak might have been the OC at the time, and they had a solid young receiving core. 
Peyton's like, if I miss, I can't miss. We got to get something going here. Brady's going to do the same thing. Now, will he be as successful? Time will tell. He's got to fall into the perfect situation. But what do I think Belichick will do? You give it another year or two, they'll be right back in the hunt. So, okay, I'm going to say this. I don't, I don't think Brady would do much without Belichick. Now, this is not taken away from Brady. I think Brady is great. But you got to remember, I'm a Dallas fan. I've seen, I've seen Matt Castle win 11 games. The same Matt Castle that played with Dallas. Now, granted, he was a little older, but he also was in Kansas City, and he was some trash. And now, here's my, only, here's, my, here's my only rebuttal for the Matt Castle argument. Did they win 11 games? Sure. But statistically, Castle was very average. They did not make the playoffs that year. And then when he went to Kansas City, the, he was a pro bowler. Lo and behold, he wasn't out. What does the pro bowl really mean these days? Nothing. Not a whole lot. But to get there means you must have stood out in some regard. So, now, okay, so you- look at, okay, but let's look at every, okay, you had, so we've had two sample sizes of Brady missing games. You had, you might as well say he missed that whole season with, with Castle. 11, 11 wins, right? Mm-hmm. And then you got, he missed four games that year, he was suspended. Right. They won three, right? Right. So that's 14 wins and six losses with, with, with quarterbacks that's, I, now, I, w- I think Gar- Garoppolo's a little better than, than Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that system. See, and see, this is why um, I want to be careful, right? Because. Because if we're talking system, I got one to throw back at you too, but go ahead. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, because it's like, if we if we do that, then, then we got to say, okay, what about Montana and the West Coast system? So it's like, okay, you will be going, you will be kind of like going down this rabbit hole that you may not want to go down. So I don't know, but I think Brady, and again, this is me being a Dallas fan because that's the team they've been linking them to. Now, I don't think Brady would do much with Dallas. They, they got the line to protect them, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he would win a championship because that's that's what the ultimate goal would be. If anywhere he goes, it has to be a championship team. Yeah. So I don't know. We got there's another just a quarterback away, like the team that was in the rumors as of a couple weeks ago. Go ahead and put him with Tennessee Titans. You telling me that wouldn't be a good match? They got a good defense. They got a running game where Brady won't have to win every game. They got young receivers. Because what did people do? They said, all right, let's put all the pressure on Derrick Henry and make Tannehill beat us. Tannehill's probably not going to beat us. Are you going to put all those people in the box and say, Brady beat us, we dare you? You might. He may. And he might not. He He might not. I mean, and that's the thing, like, see, I hate this. Like, let let me get this straight. Let's be clear. I do not like Tom Brady, but I, I have the utmost respect for him. It, 
it's it's like I'm in this weird situation with Tom Brady because I do think you look at Tom Brady like you, you look at Tom Brady like I look at Peyton Manning. No, no, because wait a minute, I'm saying no, but I need to know how you looking at Peyton Manning. I've never been a Peyton Manning fan, and I think he's benefited from a lot of stuff throughout his career. And you're being ridiculous right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You've been absolutely ridiculous. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying statistically, he has benefited from a lot of offense and a lot of his friendly coaching style throughout his career. Okay, well, we can say the same about Brady. Well, that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. You look at Brady the way I look at Peyton. There's parallels between the two of them. Okay, so I remember, I remember Manning at Tennessee, right? And I, I remember like, oh yeah, this dude is can't miss. He's top pick. He can't miss. He will be successful wherever he goes. I never, I don't like, I, I don't, I didn't feel that way at Tom about Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady was, he was good in Michigan. But I never looked at, like, if you told me Tom Brady was going to be doing all this, I, w- I would be like, what? Because well, I was in Michigan. Well, I think you, if you said, uh, if, if you would have said Tom Brady's going to do this, this, and this, the only person that would have believed you is Tom Brady. You know, but. But if you told, but if you told, no, but if you told me Peyton Manning was going to win six championships like Brady, I would absolutely believe it. Because he's that good. I, I, I couldn't fault you for that at all. I guess what I've also would would also I've struggled with 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 Peyton Manning throughout his career, at least at one point of his career, maybe even multiple points of his career. You can't tell me Peyton Manning wasn't a choke artist. No, he was in the playoffs. You're absolutely right. And maybe that's what I'm going off of. There's a part of me that's like, okay, wait a minute. How come he has to play in a dome in perfect conditions to win? Well. Yeah, you might be right. Because <laughs> I was going to say that one year, but he didn't, the, the year they won the Super Bowl, if they had lost them games, you would be looking at him totally different. It's just they won. Like they. Well, they, now, they, but now I'm going to give you, now here's, I'm, I'm going to be fair now. You know, I'm going to be a fair man because Brady's my dog, but let's tell the truth about Brady. If the tuck rule doesn't happen, where are we right now? I don't know, but it don't matter. On it, and I hate Brady, and I'm saying that it don't matter because that's not that's not something like he wasn't in control of that. Like when you when no, we look I, at Peyton Manning, like and it's crazy because I'm a big Peyton Manning fan, but when the but the when the when the playoff lights turn on for some reason, he 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 shrunk up. Tom I mean, Brady, can we, can we can we say the same thing about Drew Brees? And I love Drew Brees. You know what I mean? Like, really think about this for a second. Drew Brees took some L's in the playoffs. And it's like, yo, how did you lose that game? Drew, y'all lost to who? I'm okay. Okay, which loss are we talking about? Give me one. So I think the first one that comes to my mind is, and again, we're going to talk about the Marshawn Lynch run, but that year they lost to Seattle. Seattle was not a winning football team that year. No, but that wasn't Breeze fault either. I think Breeze put out some big numbers that game. He may have, may have. I may be way off with that one. But, like, here's the other part. I'm kind of looking at this just this Minnesota game this past year. Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. Like, and I agree, he's older. He's older. I get that. 
but I just, you know, there's so many guys like that. I just feel like I wish talent matched up to resume a little more. Like Aaron Rodgers is number one on that list for me. What, resume versus talent? Yeah, because there's nothing Aaron Rodgers can't do with the football. That dude is unbelievable. But yeah, then you watch him in big games sometimes, and you're like, Aaron Rodgers, what are you doing? So, okay, well, man, we're going to be going all night, but we're going we to wrap this up real quick. So, if we if we go on talent, if we go on talent-wise, it's Mahomes, Rodgers. I agree. And then I don't even know who else we putting in there. They they're that far above everybody else. It's oh, like back no back. Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. Okay, and I love you know me. I love Russell Wilson. So those three. Guy. Those are the only those those are the three quarterbacks that I look at and say, okay, if you put them anywhere, that team instantly gets better. Oh maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not the Bengals, but <laughs> I tell you what, man. They might just be a Russell Wilson away. You never know. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, that dude elevates your whole locker room. Man, we're going to wrap. Let me wrap this up with you because we'll be talking all night. What, oh, yeah, what's, yeah. What's, what's next for A1 Performers? You've done a lot already, but what is next? You know, um, so I, I, I kind of I stepped out on the limb and did something. That. I'd only told a couple people, and, of course, I, t- uh, you know, I, told, um, I told Christine, but I reached out. To uh, I reached out to Nike, and I typed up a couple letters, and I sent them out to a couple of different locations. I uh, found a couple of higher ups in the company. I sent some emails. There's a good chance that they never received any of this, but I said, "What's the worst that can happen? Just give it a shot and try." Mm-hmm. You know, so I reached out, just kind of telling about myself, who I am, my journey, a one, who we've become. Uh, we have a Nike vendor that we've been working with. I've worked at some Nike football camps. I, I used to work at the Nike retail store. So much of my brand is centered around everything that, you know, they've really put me on and introduced me to. And, you know, I really just, even if it's in the slightest, I don't know if it's merchandise, I don't know if it's money, I don't know if it's events, I don't know what it is, but is there any way, shape or form we can partnership, even if it's on the smallest stage possible? You know, I don't care if I got to come out to you, I don't care, whatever the case may be, let me know. But in some way, shape or form, I just, I, I'd like for this to happen. You know, it's just a personal goal of mine. I don't care if they brought me and a couple guys out for some event and we're just helping with a kid's camp. I don't really care if it's got the swoosh on it, call me. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, 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 if it's just do it, then we, 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 we just doing it. Hey, that, that, hey, look, man, look, you put it out there, it's out there, and only God knows, God, hey, you got to speak it to his exes first, so. My assistant football coach, Jermaine Bowles, used to say the same thing. You got to speak that into existence. Speak it into existence. If you don't believe it, won't nobody do it. Speak it into existence. And I'm like, you know, because I think about this stuff, and I tell my I tell my athletes this all the time. They're like, I want to make varsity. I want to go play at this college, this and that. And I'm like, dude, listen, these dreams you're talking about, they're not too far-fetched because at the end of the day, I, I equate it to tomorrow, what would happen if you went up to the most beautiful girl in your school and asked her out on a date? She might say no. If she says no, who can laugh? Now you're just like everybody else. Yeah. At least you tried. What if there's that one needle in a haystack chance? She says, all right, yeah, call me tomorrow. Yeah, you're not going to know. You never know until you try. I mean, even if you fail, oh, well, we'll try again. It ain't going to kill you. 
<laughs> Man, definitely. And I'm a, like I said, I'm gonna wrap this up because you know we I don't me and you, you know us, we talk all night. So oh, you know give, how that's going <laughs> I wanna give people a chance to um get more information on how to follow your page, the A1 performance page. Okay. Yeah, uh, I've got my Instagram is just under uh A1 underscore underscore performance. Same thing for my Twitter. And uh, personally, I'm on Instagram as McGregor, M-C period, G-R-E-G, period, O-R. Okay. Um, I want to take this time to thank my sponsors, First Gen Fly and Chain Entertainment. And also a special thank you to one of my Patreons, Arnez Clark, and also a thank you to uh, Rayco Williams. This has been another episode of Conversations with Lant. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day. <laughs>